Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Ingles crosses over, drives, hangs in the air, flares back to Hayward, rotates the corner to Hill. Hill drives, four on the clock, to Johnson, three, tested three in the corner, and he got it! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, the 25th of January. Jazz have lost two in a row. Last night in Denver, I wouldn't worry about it much. We'll discuss that, the backup point guard situation, and who's playing when will be one of the topics. And Quinn Snyder with interesting comments on Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. It's the 25th of January. Hope you're doing great. I just realized it's my anniversary in three days. I probably should try to remember that. Uh, hope you're good. I'm uh, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. I'm certainly glad to be with you. This is Locked on Jazz. We do it for you every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, so nice little podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or your Android or however it is. Uh, you catch these little things. We can 1280 The Zone as well as we are utahjazz.com. Uh, as I said, today's show will break down the loss last night to Denver, fourth game in five nights. Uh, we'll look at uh, the point guard rotation, which has not been consistent day-to-day yet. And uh, Quinn Snyder, I thought, was really interesting about Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward in last night's coach's show, and we'll play that for you. As I've said, I would try to take some pieces from the coach's show every now and then. Uh, for you. So that's the plan for today's show. It's brought to you by Jamalto. Dan Spence uh, is the local regional sales guy for Utah. And if you're outside of Utah, he can help you as well. He's the global leader for digital security, Jamalto. We open each and every show with a pin across America. And let's start today with Kevin. Put a pin in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Kevin Shippers. I've been a jazz fan most of my life. I have fond memories of watching games with my Dutch grandmother. She immigrated to the U.S. in 1951 with my grandpa and many fa- and my father, who was only five. I'm not quite sure when she became a fan of basketball and the jazz, but I remember sitting in her living room watching John Stockton and Carl Malone play, and it was fun to see her get so excited about sports and this team. She passed away in 2001, but her excitement and love for the jazz was passed on to two of my brothers and I. We do our best to watch or listen to every game, and we always have discussions about the team. I'm working on passing my love for the Jazz on to my five-year-old son. He started watching when he was two, and Gordon Hayward quickly became his favorite player. Anytime we watch or go to a game, he's always on the lookout for him. I'm a business analyst for a global payments technology company, which means I'm a numbers geek, and I love the insight, analysis, and passion you put into your work. Thanks for doing what you do, and go Jazz. Thank you very much. By the way, tomorrow we'll have the uh, Facebook Live, and it'll be early, so look out for the uh, t- the t- Facebook post that asks for questions. I'll put it out at some point midday today. 
and then tomorrow's show will be an early morning one because I'll head down for uh, shoot around in the morning, so it means an earlier show than than today's. Thank you very much to Kevin Shipers from uh, for our uh, pin across the world. I got to tell you what, we played four games in five nights. I was dead yesterday. I'm dead again this morning. Um, uh, so I don't know if that has any reality to it, but that's where I'd start. I, I'm not particularly worried about this two-game losing streak. Uh, they lost to Russell Westbrook and Oklahoma City in a game that, frankly, that's the one you would have liked to win. Uh, and, you know, we can get really complicated with the analysis. We can get really simple. They lost, they, they went 5-21 from three. Uh, Russell hit shots he doesn't usually make, and they lost by a possession. I mean, it kind of happens. Uh, you you would have liked to make those shots. Then, then you don't lose that game. Uh, and then last night, I just thought they were dead. And I've said this numerous times. There's a lot of times along the way is if I feel like I'm dead, I think they often exemplify the same thing. And I'm pretty tired right now. Um, and it hasn't really – what's interesting is this has not been that grueling a stretch. Uh, but it was four games in five nights in three different cities, and it just kind of got us, I guess. Um, this has not been you – know, we've been home for a long time. We've had this really soft aspect of the schedule. It's even softer here for the next two weeks. But I – I would say just watching the Jazz last night, uh, if you were listening to our radio broadcast, I, I literally said on the broadcast, uh, we were up by four or five in the second quarter, and I said, I, I'm watching this game the way it's going. We're going to be down 10 here any second. And sure enough, we were. Uh, we just, it just didn't, it didn't look right and uh, didn't look like we had a lot of juice or energy or bounce. Um, and, you know, if you if you – you can decide that that's not acceptable to you as a fan. I guess that's fine. I just think I'm probably trying to show the reality of of what it was. It was just clear in that second quarter they they didn't have any, they didn't have any bounce. Um, and you so so the facts are they weren't good. They didn't have a lot of energy. They didn't have a lot of bounce. They weren't sharp. They didn't run through their sets very well. Um, you could just kind of see it. So then you try to figure out and explain why. And I think the explanation has to be they played four games in five nights, and the league's trying to get rid of that. You know, it's not like Denver's not been playing. I think Denver played their sixth game in nine nights, so uh, probably why the game stayed relatively close for a while. Uh, but you know, it, yeah, Denver. It's not as though Denver just has been sitting home every day. Let's not. I, I think Denver. You know, Denver. If you look at their schedule, they played the other night. They they went to Minnesota and lost a game. That I think they probably think they should have won, and. But you look at it, and they they were playing, I think, their fifth. They lost to Minnesota, 111-108. They were playing on a back end of a back-to-back out of Denver. You know, having I think they were playing five games in seven nights, and you lose that game. So I, scheduling just has so much to do with this league. Talent does, too, but scheduling has just – I mean, that whole series with Denver this year, I feel like every game was tainted in some way or another. It's where the best teams win in the playoffs, and, and you get there, and you got to kind of keep an eye on it. The other one big picture from the Jazz, and the reason I'm not particularly concerned about what I'm seeing is we started talking about this prior to the Cleveland game. That right after Cleveland, the Jazz would play Detroit, Orlando, at Phoenix, at Dallas, Indy, Oklahoma City, Denver, Lakers, Memphis, Milwaukee, Charlotte. They'd play 11 games where at the time they were either favored or 50-50 with everyone. By the time they got to Denver, they were no longer favored. And the question was, what do they do in those 11? Well, if the Jazz can go grab the next four home games, 
will not be easy. They'll have to play well, probably play a little better than they're playing. Then they go 9-2 and two in that stretch. And that's, that's beyond, I think, what you can expect out of a team. So that's why I don't find uh, any, any of this very disconcerting. Now, hey, we go lose to the Lakers on Thursday night and lose Saturday to Memphis and Wednesday to Milwaukee and Saturday to Charlotte when the schedule is completely on our side. Like, we now have the scheduling edge, I think, for about four straight nights. Um, I don't know if uh, I'll have to look uh, exactly whether or not um, Memphis played Lakers play tonight. Lakers play the ESP game, game tonight and then fly in for Portland for the late night TNT game. It's pretty brutal. Memphis plays in Portland Friday night and then comes to play us Saturday. It's pretty brutal. Like we we should win both those games. Uh it's it's just a this that's just a tremendous aspect of how this league works. I mean Milwaukee comes into us fresh. Okay, so February 1st we play Milwaukee. They're fresh. I don't think they – my memory is they won't have played for two or three days. They'll have – or maybe even more. I think they play Saturday the 28th uh, and don't play again until they play us on Wednesday. So they'll be super fresh. But so will we, right? We won't have played since then either. And then we don't play again until the next Saturday. So if you get through this 11-game stretch in 9-2, and two, it's great. Um, so I wouldn't – I wouldn't I, – I guess my panic level is zero. Um, I've had some questions about George Hill, whose shot has not fallen for two nights in a row. That happens. You know, he's he's one of ten. Excuse me. He's one of ten from three uh, in his last two games. He's actually off a little bit. You know, he's been off for a little bit more than that. He's six of his last, uh, I think, 32. It's not great. But big picture, he's still shooting Forty-two percent from three when his career is thirty-eight, so he's just regressed to the mean. Like you, if you, if you honestly walked around expecting George Hill to shoot fifty-two percent from the field and forty-eight percent from three for the season, then I, I think that you probably just were misguided. There, there, you know, we. If you look at NBA players, very rarely for a season does a player do what George Hill is doing right now. So. NBA players have a baseline of who they are. George Hill right now is shooting the ball three percentage points better from the field, four percentage points better from three. His effective field goal percentage is four points, four percentage points better than it's ever been. His PER, which I'm not the greatest believer in, but just it's a baseline, is dramatically higher than it's ever been. His PER is 21. I think it's only been 21 once a before in his career. His career PR is 15. I don't love PR. But when you start looking at those numbers, it's pretty unrealistic to think that he's going to hold at that for the rest of the year. Like, that's that would be really statistically unheard of. Uh, not doubting George Hill's ability, just telling you from someone who follows careers and trends and numbers that 30-year-olds who switch teams don't usually do that. They usually actually go back to who exactly they are. Players, you would be surprised how very little players are impacted by who their teammates are. Very little. 
Everyone likes to – one of the biggest mistakes I think franchises can make is when they decide, well, if we bring this guy in and put him in our system, he'll be a really different player. Eh, not so sure about that. Really not so sure. I don't think that's really that true. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, so anyway, I, my panic level would be kind of at one notch below zero. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, frankly, those two games, you lost to Russell. He got you. And you lost a scheduling loss to Denver. Now go win the next four. I mean, all right. So, or let's cap, let's really put a, let's put a, we got 11 left. You got seven home games, four road games for the All-Star break. The seven home games are Lakers, Memphis, you got to beat, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Boston, Clippers, and Portland. Can you win six of those seven? Gosh, listen to what we're talking about. These are, and can you win at Atlanta, at New Orleans, at Dallas? Can you win one or two of those? You know, can you win eight or nine of your final 11? Then you're really rolling. Rodney's back soon. Can be healthy again. Get it rolling. Uh, all right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Jamalto. Jamalto is a global leader in digital security. Dan Spence is the regional sales manager. And you can reach Dan at dan.spence at jamalto.com, 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Here, here's the deal with digital security. Everyone tries to protect the perimeter, but the reports reveal that data breaches have increased 15% compared to the last six months of 2015 and the first six months of 2016. So what does that mean? That means the system that everyone's using isn't working. It's not working. So you can either do whatever that definition of insanity is, which is continuing to do the same thing, expecting a different result, or you can change your approach. And Jamalto's one step ahead. What they've done is found solutions at the heart of the modern digital life from payments in the cloud to big data to Internet things. They encrypt data. They authenticate people and things. This enables clients to deliver secure, innovative services for billions of individuals and devices. Like whatever I just said actually should make sense to someone. But the idea is, instead of trying to protect the perimeter, we're going to protect when the breach happens. Then, once the breach happens, all your important stuff is protected and the breach falls fecklessly to the side. That's what Jamalto does for you. 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Dan.Spence at Jamalto.com. A lot of discussion on uh, point guard rotation. Uh, I want to say two things here on um, substitution patterns. One is, it was interesting to me the other night when we lost at Oklahoma City that I was, I was looking, I was listening to kind of the chatter, which might be a little bit too much Twitter or just talk radio or whatever. I just was listening to the chatter. And a lot of it was how, well, I don't really understand what Quinn did late in the game. All right. So that might have some validity to it. Um, That's interesting. I'm trying to pull up the game flow from Oklahoma City, Utah, and I'm getting it. For some reason, uh, they have the Denver uh, game flow coming up to me, so I can't quite get uh, what I wanted to get here. But nonetheless, in that game, uh, now I'm not going to be able to be at Zach, so I apologize just because the site I used didn't have the right – um, 
the right game on it for not not quite sure why. Um, but nonetheless, um, late in the game, he did some substitutions and people didn't like him. That's totally fine. But you also got to credit early in the third quarter when he went to A, B, and Dante early, and it did work. Like, you know, uh, I just my one thought is, like, make sure you, you know, the whole game's a capture is a – is the whole picture, not just, oh, well, in this one moment it didn't work, right? I think that's I think that's sometimes a misguided way of looking at um, at things and how a game uh, plays. Uh, actually, I, I take it back. Uh, here is what I was looking for. In the third quarter, the Jazz go on a 13-0 run when Trey Lyles, Dante Exum, and Alec Burks comes in, and then in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma City went on a 16-6 to run, which seemed to coincide with some substitutions. You know, if we're going to discuss the one that didn't work, let's also discuss the one that does work. I'm not sure which didn't work in there, frankly. It's not entirely clear if you kind of look at one substitution uh, in that process what it was that, that didn't work. Uh, I do want to um, – I'm going to throw this out there. I just want to keep an eye on it. This is probably my one little concern level right now. I haven't dug into it deep. It just felt this way a little bit. I think AB is playing really well, and I'm excited uh, for AB specifically in what he's doing uh, because it's it, it's it's necessary. It's good. It's he's worked his butt off, his tail off. It's it's pretty exciting uh, for him to be able to put together what he's doing right now. The only thing I'm going to keep an eye on is he's using a lot of possessions right now when he's on the floor. And so what um, – who's not getting those possessions? Now, if A.B. stays as efficient as he is right now, that's awesome. It may not matter. He definitely brings an aspect to this team we've never had before. So it, it's, it's worth kind of – I'm interested to see what happens with – um, with that, I, I'm a little concerned. I, I guess is what I'm saying. Ab just using so many possessions, uh, and and whether or not uh, he restricts the ability of the other guys. All right, to the point guard rotation. I've said this. I keep saying this, and I'll I'll keep saying it again. I really think one of the key things here is going to be how the Jazz play when they basically are playing Ab as the point guard. When they're playing without Dante, without George, without Neto, and without Mac, because that rotation I think is going to keep heading something. The Jazz have played it for 35 minutes so far this year, so almost none. They're not shooting the ball well. Their effective field goal percentage is 43 percent, and they're not stopping anyone. Opponents' effective field goal percentage is 62 percent. So right now, when they've played without a traditional point guard, Dante, George, Neto, or Mack. It's only been 35 minutes. They're not stopping anyone at all. They've done that. Those 35 minutes um, have almost all been without Alec. They've only played eight minutes, according to NBA Wowie this year, with Alec at the point guard without Dante, George, Neto, or Mack. It has not worked as of yet, uh, but it's Eight minutes. It's 17 possessions. There's not enough sample size there to take anything from it. What is um, 
worth noting is that I think that's I think we're gonna have to see that more. I don't I don't know how, but the fact is that the Jazz so far this year have not gotten consistent backup point guard play from Dante, Shelvin, or Howell. And if Alec is playing as well as he's playing right now, how are we possibly going to get him on the floor? And at some point, you just got to put your best players on the floor. And Alec is better than Dante, Shelvin, or Neto right now. Um, and so I'm just curious to see if we can start playing that lineup. It's played eight minutes so far. When Rodney's back, though, how are you getting Alec on the floor? Uh, in regards to our regular um, lineup, uh, I, I ran this today just because I was curious, and I didn't. I don't really know what it's what it's proving. It's just data. Okay, I'm not. I don't have a big. I don't have a. I don't think I have a big point to prove here, um, but it's data. So let's look at it. When the Jazz have had. Dante Exum on the floor and no other point guard. Their offensive rating, according to NBA Wowie, is 107.2, and the defensive rating is 106.9. When they've had Shelvin Mack on the floor and no other point guard, so not playing the two, their offensive rating is one, according to NBA Wowie, is 110.8, and the defensive rating is 108.8. So with Mac, they're plus two. With Dante, they're plus point three. With Neto and no other point guard on the floor. Now this is probably, you know, the next one we probably should get into is okay. Well, who's going to do this with Rudy? I mean, you can start digging into this at all sorts of different levels and and overdo it. But with Neto on the floor. Uh, this year, and no other point guard, which has only been 141 minutes. The offense is uh, 101. Excuse me, the opponent is a 101, and the Jazz are, are 108.5. So the numbers would actually tell you that the best of the group, uh, 101.4 uh, defense and offense of 108.5, is Neto. Okay. Now, that's only been 141 minutes. It's pretty limited. But it's actually, that data's not close. I, I don't know if that's actually true. And I don't know who that's against. And I think that's a little small sample size. But if you were just to play with the numbers right now, Neto would be best, Mac would be second best, and Dante would be third on how the team has performed when they're at the point guard position. Now, again... You know, how valuable do you think Gordon Hayward is? Do you want to now run all those numbers with just Gordon? Well, if that's the case, then when you get to Neto, he's only played 68 minutes this year with Gordon all year. And the offensive rating is 115 when he's on the floor and 107 when he's off. So it's pretty incredible. You know, if you want to do the same thing for Dante and say this is only fair if you run this with Dante and Gordon, which I, I do, I mean, it's another ball hand, there's a lot of pressure relieved, um, then the team's offense with, with Dante is a 103.4, and the offense is a 106, so he's minus three. This actually, um, you know, so it makes Neto's difference even bigger, and it actually, Mac, I think, comes out uh, a little bit better with 
on the floor. So I don't know. I don't know what that means, but you know, as you're as you're trying to find a understanding of what's going on, kind of with the all over the map, different guy, different day, point guard situation, that might help you. Shelvin Mack, when he's playing with Gordon Hayward, the offense is one twelve and the defense is one oh seven. So he's plus five. Uh, Neto was like plus twelve, and Dante's minus two. You know, the the explanation on getting Dante on the floor right now is that you want him to develop and you want to give him time. It it it, it it's a it's a hard argument to give, statistically at least, statistically I'm just saying, it's a hard argument to put Dante on the floor and say it's about winning right now. If that's makes sense. You know, if you include Gordon on this, so they got the other primary ball handler on it, you know, suddenly Dante's minus three. 103 to 106, it's been 300 minutes. Mac was plus whatever, Neto was even more. So, you know, again, I think those numbers are, their only value is a little bit, but the general takeaway from looking at that might be that. That if, if you want Dante on the floor right now, it's about development. Uh, it's why I find myself as a proponent of putting Dante in the D-League. And just letting him play. 35 minutes a night, go to work, see how your body holds up, see what's going on. Uh, that That's where I feel um, things would probably be, be best. I, uh, I want to turn it over now to Quinn as we wrap up the show. By the way, Jazz Home, Thursday night tickets available, Saturday against Memphis. Both those tickets uh, are available. The Jazz actually have a fun little package available for you if you're interested that includes two games. Uh, to see the Jazz and a Stars game. It includes the Celtics game on the 11th, the Timberwolves on the 1st of February, the Timberwolves on the 1st, and a Stars game. Uh, for that ticket package, that's the block party, two tickets to each. Uh, and I think you get some sort of Papa John's. I don't really know what uh, on that deal. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Also, February 13th, uh, coming up Monday, is another family night, six tickets, six hot dogs for $90. So all sorts of of good packages available. Call 801-325-2999. If you'd like to advertise on Locked on Jazz, this is where your company could be heard right here at this very moment. If you're looking for men, 97% of our audience is male. 76% of it is between the ages of 25 and 54, and about the same on 18 to 44 as well on the percentage-wise. 56% of people that listen to podcasts say they're more likely to support podcasts Sponsors they hear on podcasts than they would of the same sponsor with the same uh, item otherwise. So feel free to get your company out here. We have reasonable rates. Give me a call or give me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. Here is Quinn Snyder on Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward. I thought these comments were really interesting from the coaches' shows. Talk to you tomorrow for Facebook Live edition of Locked on Jazz as well. One was about Gordon Hayward as a teammate. And what a great teammate he is. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Well, I think he's just, the, the way that he approaches um, the profession, his role, his job, um, you know, it can be a job you really like, but, you know, we all have moments in our job where it's hard. And I think he's about winning. And, you know, he's a competitor. And I mentioned last night, you know, the situation in the game where he, you know, he, he's, he made you know, one of the biggest shots of the game last night and we ran a play for him out of timeout and just prior to that he knew that Alec, you know, was, was feeling better and, and had made some good plays and was getting to the rim and he was suggesting that, 
you know, we insert Alec in a specific play that we a lot of times run for Gordon. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's not about his success. And here's a time, too, when you've got a guy that's being considered for all-stars. You know, you'd think that, that that's the moment when someone would say, hey, you know, give me the ball, let me show what I can do. And he felt like Alec was the best option on the floor um, at that moment. And his suggestion was, hey, let's do something for him. And then... You know, 20 seconds later, we ran something for Gordon. He rose up and made the shot. The other one was your comment about Rudy Gobert's just love of the game, which yeah. is maybe unique to his size as well. You know, the, the, I don't know if it's true or not, but kind of there's a, a, a generalization or a stereotype, and it, it, it's rational on some level. And, you know, like a lot of stereotypes, they're probably misguided and, and, and misplaced. But um, it's sometimes people get into things because they have an aptitude or – um, a skill set, and in basketball, you know that some of that that's height at times. Um, you hear it all the time, right? Hey, you must play basketball. So, um, you know, there's oftentimes people that are good at something that maybe don't love. Um, that's really true of anything, right? So, I don't know if you really like what you're doing. You seem like you do. <laughs> Rudy loves what he's doing, and and uh, he's not. You'd think he's the most unique, or at least one of them, from a physical standpoint, players in the league with his height and his length. But if he weren't that long and he weren't that tall, he'd still be playing basketball. Interesting comments about our two guys. We'll talk about their All-Star chances tomorrow on the Thursday edition. That's also the day the All-Stars will come out. So tomorrow's a big day. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.